Welcome, welcome, welcome to Planning Face Syndicate. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight for episode 111. It's that weird binary, semi-binary, wannabe binary number tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about scenario uniqueness, viability. We're going to talk some Gen Con tournament format. And of course, as always, we have our pattern analyzer roundup for some of the store champs that happened this weekend. Tonight, we finished that list archetype analysis series. And as I spend my time um, going through and editing it, which is what I've been doing lately uh, in my spare time, I we decided that we wanted to do a couple more different type of segments, right? So the one segment that we kind of talked about a little bit last week was tournament format. So tonight, the towards the end of the show, that's what we're going to focus on. It's kind of the main content to kind of talk about what the format is how we can see it, what we can kind of do. Um, if it's a viable thing, compare it to other, I guess, other games out there and then just kind of go from there. But what I really wanted to do was talk a little bit about the three, one, two interview, um, that happened again. And now that they've released it publicly and everybody can watch it, they have a portion towards the end of the show where they actually talk a little bit about um, scenarios, which is their favorite scenario, blah, 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 blah. Well, what I wanted to do is have a quick discussion kind of around what it would be like to essentially, if we introduce a few new scenarios, could we create a rotation system? How would that look and what would that do for the game? Now, with that being said, JJ has tonight off again. Um, he is recovering from an illness. <laughs> So he, um, he, we decided not to have him um, show up tonight. But joining me all the way from the east side of the state is my good friend, Alex. How are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, I'm doing okay. East coast, west coast. You know, that's what they say, I think. <laughs> I've never heard that before. But I will tell you, east coast beat or... I don't know. Are you guys the West Coast? Is, is Detroit considered West Coast compared to the Giants? Because, and this is where <laughs> JJ needs to fucking be here, I've won the bet. The Lions have officially defeated the Giants. They have. You know, we were 4-0 in the preseason the season. We went 0-16, right? <laughs> I. You know what? It's okay. You want to know the best part about this, Alex? JJ has to wear a Lions hat. Oh, I got an extra one for him if he wants. I love it. Oh, do you? Oh, that's even better. Because I was going to buy one, and actually, I was going to reveal the one. I sent him a message on which one I want to buy. I'll, I'll throw it into our doc here in a second, um, because he was not super thrilled with the choices that I came up with. But I found out I have to pay for it. So if I got to pay for it, right, might as well get one that's going to torture him the most. <laughs> he could borrow my Andomican jersey. That will be really fun. Oh, that'd be really awesome. <laughs> he would love that. But he has to, for the rest of the year, he officially has to um, wear a Lions paraphernalia um, on the show. I just got to figure out how to get him all the... You know, we're projected to make the playoffs this year. But those people don't understand what it's like being a Lions fan. I know. If we can make the playoffs, like, is that, like, the best thing in the world, right? <laughs> uh, we didn't do it. We did it not terribly long ago, but also we had the best wide receiver ever. So, and you know, traded away a quarterback that immediately won the Super Bowl the year after. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what they say. I mean, we had Barry Sanders, right? And 
they that like it didn't matter who we had. Hey, it Billy didn't... Sims too, one of the best running backs as well, and we wasted three careers of all time greats. Yeah, oh, I love the Lions, man. <laughs> so I'm adding those to the doc. We're gonna we're gonna look at we're gonna look at the Tanner's picks, and then I guess JJ can decide if JJ just wants Alex's pick instead. Oh, um, I mean, I have like legitimate lion's hat. I'm not doing anything super crazy. Oh, all right. So uh, I brought a picture. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Okay, hold on. That's that's not the best one, though. The one after this is the best one. So that's kind of the one I originally found, right? That I was like, hey, let's let's do that one, right? <laughs> Nothing says I'm not from Detroit. <laughs> that hat. <laughs> now. The second one is this. Because it's a lion's head. <laughs> and he would have to wear that on the stream. <laughs> that's not a logo, though. That's just a generic lion's head, right? Okay, but we could put a logo on it. I could, I could, I'll staple one to its forehead. <laughs> JJ said that he texted me. He's like, that That looks like um my Halloween costume, I guess, now. I was like, hey, I. <laughs> Whatever I buy you, you now have to wear on stream. Do I have to get like a scar hat and we just Lion King this? <laughs> you could. I actually own Beauty and the Beast, oh, like right. a beast outfit, like a full bodied outfit. We could do that. I could just like maybe cut the head off that and wear the beast hat. Hey, Princess Leia is a Disney princess technically now. Okay. Well, true. <laughs> true. But it's not a lion's hat. So True. Anyway. So, but man, that first hat, nothing says like, I am not from Detroit, but I am a Lions fan like that hat. <laughs> yep. yep. And, and he no one in Michigan wears that. No, nobody would. Well, I, I would never wear that. No, but, um, they do have, you could wear it somewhere else, right? Like you could wear that to the beach. I mean, you could do it. It's kind of like a beach hat, right? I don't know. Uh... <laughs> no. That's incredible, maybe, though. Maybe I need to make a bet with you so I can get you that hat, too. And then you guys will be, like, matching buddies. Oh, I will wear that hat, like, out of pride, because I think that's fucking hilarious. Like, I will I will wear that around crowds. I have no shame in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> I feel well, scum. What, what self-respect do you think I have now? Well, I mean, you still got a little bit. I mean, we're going to see tonight scum did not win, but it made <laughs> it didn't do anything. This, this this week there's not really a lot good to say about scum but i'm shocked yeah there wasn't also big tournaments either and we're kind of in a lull from gen con um you know there was some out there but there wasn't as many store tournaments as i thought there was going to be so we had like six to cover tonight it's pretty interesting nice um i was kind of excited by that so so why don't we actually you know what why don't we get into the the, the list to begin with want to do that let's just do that yeah, let's go for it. So on our Pattern Analyzer segment tonight, we are going to be covering store champs and then one special tournament, but it's going to be kind of weird because it's like an XTC group team thing. So I threw some lists in there. thought we could cover a few of them, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, if you live over in Europe and you were able to go to uh, Belgium this weekend, uh, uh, congrats. I really wanted to go, but when I looked at cost, it was not feasible for this guy to go at all. 
it was way too expensive to fly to Belgium. It is not a cheap place, I guess. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, tonight, our first store champ comes to you from Outpost. I think it's Outpost Gaming and Gwent. I have no idea where Gwent is. I know it's not over here. It's overseas somewhere, but it's it, that's where it comes from. And as you can see, there was three top resistance lists. Two of them being uh, 5T70s. So still showing up in store champs. Makes me kind of just want to grab five of them and throw them on the table, I guess. You know, I don't know. It's a Corey. It feels like a Corey thing. Just not a Tanner thing. So, I, You know, if they didn't actually win a store champ, I would say five T70s probably wouldn't win a store champ. Just because there's better ships you can bring in resistance. And it seems weird they being like, Kai Thranali when you can bring like Kaz, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the winner was Tiston, and they came to us with a not very unique, pretty similar to what we've been seeing uh, Empire list. This one has Deathfire in it, though, which that is different. We have not seen Deathfire on the table. And I don't know, is that because Deathfire did not, is not back yet? Um, Marcel flew Deathfire. He cheated, but he did it. Okay. Um, there's an a there's like a clarification because Deathfire says you can launch a bomb or whatever after he dies. Uh, that's only if your bomb and or mine can launch. Oh, yeah. So it is just normally the bonus attack and or you just drop an additional bomb. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the only time we've seen Deathfire. As I say, I haven't seen it. I mean, I guess it makes sense because. They're essentially it's they're they're using it as an ion because Deathfire is an I four right. Deathfire I think is an I two. I two. Yeah, right, Deathfire is not very high initiative. Let me double check that, but I'm pretty sure he's pretty low on there. He is actually an I two. Yes. Ah. So I, I assume the idea is is you start murdering things with the other ships, and then Deathfire ionizes you, so you have to sit there, and one ship sticks around to kill you, and everybody else runs away. And goes I'm actually assuming he's there just because he has bombs. That's my guess. But it's only two bombs. You only have protons. You like, have a reload. It's red, but you have uh, a reload. All right, all right fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe that's why he's there. And I guess if you shoot him to get rid of the proton bombs, then... Then he drops more. Unless they cheated, then he launches more. <laughs> then he throws them. It's <laughs> a common mistake. People didn't realize that upon release, Deathfire had like a a fact because he's worded poorly good old so. ffg so looks like we have the vader that must be build your own vader it is build yeah. your own vader with hate malice and fcs and afterburners oh, you wanted the malice and fcs in there instead of taking boy i mean i guess the points don't really work out if you're trying to bring four other bombers yeah yeah, and this gives them the ability to to bring the other bombers that they want. Otherwise, I don't know. Is there like as of now, we don't have another bomber that would even be a viable thing to put in there. So. Yeah, unless you're bringing like starter pack bombers, there's really no reason for that. <laughs> yeah. Then you have Deathfire with ions, uh, skilled bombardier, and proton bombs. Ryan oh, missiles, this not ion torpedoes, because they do have the torp slot. It's worse oh. than ion torpedoes. It's ion missiles. Why would they? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, then they have Major Rhymer with disciplined APTs, munitions, failsafe, 
Ren with crack shot and barrage rockets and Jonas with crack shot and barrage rockets because they must be very good at lining up bullseyes with those things and I am oh, not. Dude, your crack shot's only primary. I hope they realize that. <laughs> you can't crack shot off barrage rockets. No, I know. So I'm assuming it's for after. I don't know. Or if you're at range one. Maybe they just guess. cheated twice. Launching bombs and crack shot off rockets or barrage rockets. Who knows? Yeah. Either which way, this one went 4-0. The next list that we have was a scum list. Alex, what is this? I don't know. It looks kind of cool. It is a four-ship scum list, which you don't typically see. You have Dangar with Notorious Agile Gunner Contraband and Punishing One. You shoot him, he gives he gives you a strain, and then he shoots you back. That's terrifying. You don't want to joust that. Um, then you have Bosk. But in the YV, <laughs> not the Z. So as marksmanship, the child Lando Greedo in Overtune Modulators. It's, it's questionable, man. Don't Greedo's so hard to bring right now when you're an I four. There's so many R five, I fives and I sixes going out there. And it's CAD with marksmanship, proton cannons, contraband, the title, and proton bombs. And then Cad Solas and the Fang Fighter with Cutthroat Beskar and Hando Optics. Overjoy of all things, too, right? Um, I mean, you know, they're all I4. These four points. So you can bring Cad Solas. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can. Hey, somebody wanted a good time. He they went just three and one, you know? Yeah. Give me a good time. Let me take Cad Solas. Went three and one with like two and a half okay ships. But like, man, I don't don't shoot that Dengar. You'll just die. Yep, Dengar's just gonna double tap. Be like, oh, here you go. Come on, baby. Don't let Boss flank you because he's just getting crits. <laughs> All right. So the next one we have is Atomic Empire from North Carolina. Oh, this is the one JJ was gonna stream that we were not able to. Yeah, tragic. Yeah, looks like we had four of them. Uh, this actually looked like a pretty fun um, tournament, except for a lot of Padme and uh, arcs, <laughs> like double sets of them. Chris Allen trying to win his store champion fight. Thomas squeaked one out. And Alex, that looks like a pretty interesting, actually looks a little bit more interesting. Um, we have a ship we have not seen yet, plus another Y-Wing that's definitely... I, I don't know. I like Evan. Nobody, everybody tells them, tells me I'm wrong. So, so I'm assuming this person went to worlds and wanted to play their cardboard because <laughs> that's, that's why I think they're playing this. This is a rebel list. They have boy, Luke, they have Evan Verlaine, the Y wing that can spend a focus to make you roll an extra defense dice. Uh, she has hopeful dorsal chopper and seismic charges. You have Kanan Jarrus in the VCX, Heightened Perception, Dorsal Magma the Child, Agile Baffle and Ghost. So you got four force with that. And you have Keo with Predator, Concussion, and Vectored Cannons. I like and it. Sorry. And the TIE Fighter with Load Wolf. That's a crazy list. Yeah, so 
I like the vector cannons. We're not going to have that conversation. That could be, that'll be a debate for maybe another night. Um, so, okay. So I got to ask, do you just not shoot this cannon let him run out of force? And then if you don't, he gets a target lock no matter what. Like, but if you don't shoot him, he uses his ability, right? So it's yeah. like, I don't know. Do you shoot the Y wing that has, you're rolling one less attack die. And then I don't know. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I feel like you can burn a couple of those ships down pretty hard. But also he's going up against pretty stiff competition there. So maybe they're doing something I don't, I can't see here. Yeah, I don't know. And I think that's the, the that becomes the question because with Kanan, with that build for Kanan, um, I mean, you're not getting the double tap ever. Oh, yeah. No, you're not. You have Agile, though. Yep. So you do have Agile. Too, too bad. Yep, so you are able to rotate. You you don't have to turn around to shoot. You could take two turns to get into... Right, you don't have veteran yet. turret gunners. You're not double tapping with him, but you can keep the turret on target. Also, it's terrifying if you shoot at him with magma, then you have like three or four force coming in. Yeah. And you're just getting stuff. You're getting your force back if they shoot at you. If they don't, I guess you're just going to fly around the board to collect objectives and stop people from rolling too many dice. That's probably what yeah. you're doing. If you shoot at that cane and he's getting a lock and then some force back, like a force back when you, when he shoots back. Yeah. I guess the, and the only downside is, is you get a lock. You do get your lock back on Kanan, So you can always take a lock and spend it. But if you're a ship that doesn't have munitions or you're a ship that doesn't want a lock, like it's not as beneficial. I don't think even funnier. He can actually just baffle off the target lock. Cause it's a red token. If you wanted to, all right, that's dirty. <laughs> I just, uh, ooh, I don't know. Like, I mean, you don't joust Kanan, right? So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Evan's kind of funny if you do shoot at Kanan, though. Kanan gets a just a die roll, becomes callous. Yeah, I like, I like Evan. Uh, I, I do like him. Uh, I don't know. I actually might put something like this on the table. I would put something like this table just for the hell of it. I don't know if I do predator concussion so on Keo. I think I, I I'm more if I'm gonna run vector cannons, I'm gonna put lone wolf on Keo. The yeah, that Sabine. Well the Sabine can have her typical best guard plating. I swear they just have gone to world <laughs> and wanted to use up some of their dials and cardboard. Alright, I, I do too. I haven't used any of my dials or cardboard yet. It's still in its original packaging. I will not. I had been thinking about selling um, the 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 cardboard and keeping the dial or keeping the uh, cards, but I don't know. Kind of weird about that too. Yeah. All right. The next top of three. Let's just is Duncan Howard. Out of all the other ones, I picked Duncan Howard because <laughs> he has two fire sprays and dirge, and dirge is is kind of the standard loadout if you have a three ship list with lone wolf proton cannons contraband xanadu blood then you have zam with crack shot savage oppress thermals contraband and slave one and then Django with notorious dooku and contraband so we're going the double tap with Django and giving notorious to Django to make you not want to shoot at him i'm not sold on crack shot on zam but i guess for pushing one damage through it's nice zam's not 
you know. You feel like those upgrades would actually be flipped around on Zam, right? Or you'd have Notorious on Zam because she can, like, double tap and then just have the Dooku contraband kind of thing. Then put the Savage and the bombs and whatnot on Django. Yeah. Yes. But also that might create too much of an incentive not to shoot Sam. So it really is just kind of like garbage target priority. Yeah, and I think that we've we've talked about that before because I think I was on the notorious Zam train. Um and I think the big thing that came out of that was it was not worth the people just don't shoot Zam. Right. But at the same token I don't like not having notorious on Sam because when people just want to murder Sam, Zam goes bye bye. So, but I'm also not Duncan Howard. So that's fair. Eventually, he'll play that scum, right? <laughs> he Eventually, has to. he'll try to win yep. Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, it's the seventh one, right? He's not going to double back around. He has to. And when he does, if he wins with scum, we're having him on. Like, it will just be <laughs> a, well, there'll be a conversation. You're, you got to come on, buddy. We got to talk about how you won with scum. As long as he takes my scum list, it'll be fine. All right. So we have Hobby Nights in Washington, which I actually think they're in Wisconsin. I actually don't think they're in Washington, but I can't remember anymore. It's probably inconsequential. Um, so this one also had one, four, and oh, and everybody else was the three and ones. Um, I didn't want to do two separatist lists, even though I probably should have, because that was the only other interesting list in the top. Um, so I picked a two and two list, Alex. Um, I see this because I thought it was kind of cool. It it is only two and two, but it's five, five. If it means of, anything, of the I'm ones. shocked that it won two games. So, all right, why don't you tell us who won as the winner? What did they bring? Ninja he, they a separatist one, a store champ. Look at that. Do it, Maryland scum. They have DGS 047 little Roomba there that uh cluster missiles Kalani munitions fail safe and the stabilizers Grievous with marksmanship and pervium afterburner solace one dirge with lone wolf proton cannons contraband and the title and then Django with Count Dooku proton bombs the title and veteran tail gunner yep. so they opted for the double tap and not for the notorious tap. Right. Which I, I guess I can respect, but I don't know who's following that Django when he's got proton bombs on him. <laughs> Seems like some, double double bad decisions. Yeah, some somebody that wants to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're gonna take a crit and then I'm gonna shoot you. What do you think about that O forty seven build there? Um so I would prefer to have, if I were them, I would prefer not to have the cluster missiles and I would prefer to have um, multi-missile pods. Um, I think it's interesting because the Kalani is giving you, wait, does Kalani even work? Because they don't have calculates. They're bars. No, you don't need to calculate. As long as they execute a maneuver, okay. an enemy ship executes a maneuver in their bullseye, they just mount one of the chars and they get a lock on them and a stress. No, so it doesn't sh- it doesn't require the calculate. Isn't it a strain? I think it's a strain. That's it is why. a stress token. Okay. Um, it's interesting. I like the Kalani use, and I'll tell you what, DGS 047 probably gets the bullseye off twice a game at most. Um, you know, but all those other ships, you know, you going into a Django bullseye seems pretty good to me. Um 
I don't know. Urge, especially with that proton cannons. Yep. You get the focus mod off of that and a lock. It's rough. Yeah, so I, I do like it. Um and I I don't know if Dirge well, I guess Dirge probably does not care because he has contraband. So I don't know. I like the Klani. The, it's better than doing some sort of like a coordinator in that position. And I don't think you have to worry as much about your damage output. You have to be really good to get DGS 47 um, to shoot double cluster missiles, though, without dying. <laughs> so I'll just tell you that right now. DGS 47 will die very quickly at range one. I mean, the network aim works with Kalani, so I guess there's always that. <laughs> True. So, yeah, I that, like that's it. kind of a crazy four ship CIS list. Yeah, this is the 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 world's version that they modified because they didn't want to take 404 in it. That's, <laughs> that's what this is. Um, and I respect that. I think that's pretty nice to see a weird little HMP ship make something good. All right. Two and two list was five and ones. We have Ricolay with Juke, Lone Wolf, R4P, Astromech, Padme with Juke, Ion Torpedoes, R4P, and Passive Sensors. Danae Elbringer with R4P, Astros, Juke, and Plasmas. Gavin Sykes with Juke, Plasmas, and R4P17. And then a Bravo Fighter, um, because I I don't know why you wouldn't bring a Handmaiden, because I think you could bring a Handmaiden. <laughs> so I'm a little confused why you just wouldn't have brought the Handmaiden, other than maybe it doesn't have room for the, the exact plasmas. same loadout. Okay, then I would have brought a Handmaiden. But um, the handmaiden is an I one does not have a torpedo slot. It's the same loadout doesn't have a torpedo slot instead as a mod slot. Oh, well, that's why then. Well, so they wanted plasmas and R two C four. Yeah, they snuck Dark One Pro Droids on their list to give them the target locks. I don't know what they're doing here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they're getting the target locks, but. And not dying, but I don't know. How about this? I don't own five and ones, but I there would be something to uh, I don't know. Come on, Alex, you you put that on the table. You got five uh, of those, don't you? I, no, I have two, and then one of them is from Adepticon because it's silver. Wow. I do not either. I own. I own. Well, you know what? I own three of them. We could put the list together ourselves, Alex. There we go. I have messed around with Gavin because he. Other than like the handmaidens, he's the only one that has mod slots, and that's super useful if you have like Saint Council, because if you went faster than the your opponent, you don't have to spend a lock because you just have an ability that lets you reroll. And it's definitely interesting. I wouldn't run this list ever. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of torpedoes too. I'm not sure what they're doing, but you know. They won two games, so yeah, and those lists go very fast. So like, you could just zoom, zoom, zoom all over the board. Maybe Duncan Howard should run that and see if he can win something. <laughs> he ain't gonna win two games. All right, next door champ, Brew Wizards in Ontario, Canada. They had uh, I I don't you know I should have looked that up. I didn't look it up to see if they had a if the draw was the last round or not, but. We had another Separatist. It must have been the week for Separatist, baby, because we had another Separatist list pick up a win tonight. They did the same thing. They had Dirge, Django, Zam. Dirge with Marksmanship, Proton Cannons, and Proton Bombs. Django with Lone Wolf, Contraband, 
Dooku and Ion Bombs. And then they did use Zam with Notorious, Bo-Katan, Bo Bolt Transponder Code, Slave One, and Ursa Ren Gunner, which I have to look up what Ursa Ren Gunner is because I have no idea what that does. I know what Bo-Katan does, but I have no idea what Ursa Ren Gunner does. And this, so this Zam is the in-your-face Zam. That's what this one is. And it's designed specifically to be in your face because it wants to um, use that Bo-Katan, which, by the way, can mod dice on attack at range zero. zero. So go ahead, bump Zam all you want, and they're still modding their, their dice. Ursa's kind of interesting. That's because that's when you acquire a lock beyond range two. You get a calculate token. If there's no um, friendly units at range zero to one, the person you just locked. So on like an initial gauge, if you do the one that acquires a lock instead of using like the double tap for her ability, mm -hmm. you can have someone shoot you at range three in the opening engagement and then get a calculate out of it. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I don't know if it's yeah. better than Boba Fett and like I don't know. I don't know. I, this is uh, only four, so it's not the worst. Bo-Katan six though. That's the I know. And you're trading your. That's you're trading your force point right here for that, right? It's to me that's a little weird. I would want the force point over Bo being able to. I just would be very worried that you're gonna get burnt down. You know. I mean, this seems to be like a Zam that's very good at the opening engagement with like the false transponder codes, right? The jam them at that lock. You get the calculate if they attack you. They get notorious. All that kind of stuff. So it seems like it's a pretty good anti-alpha, which is probably what you want in a three-ship list. I I still don't know how you go 3-0-1 with it, but, you know, they did. Yeah, they really did. <laughs> All right. So the well, next one. Yep. The next one was number five, Brendan from Nickel City League. Tell us what they ran. They ran a Republic list. And like my kind of Republic list. I don't know what this is. They had Sicko with multi-missile pod, C-3PO, Agile, Gunner, Synchronized Council. Again, kind of a list I, or a, a build I was looking at for Sicko. They have Boost with Dedicated. The correct Z95 with the correct upgrade. Contrail with Crack Shot, Synced, uh, Thermal Detonators, and the, the Convig. SOC kickback. They had a V-Wing oddball. Plasma Torps, R4P, St. Council, and Besh. And then an SOC Anakin. Interesting to me, they don't have like an R3 on one of their V-Wings, especially like Contrail, to kind of facilitate a lot of that St. Council. But it might not just be explicitly going for that, you know? Yeah, and I think that that one I don't know. Like I said, that's to me, that's just weird. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, you've seen the the crack shot contrail before to try to push some kind of damage through. I just feel like if you have some councils and you can actually use it with something like kickback, who just roll up with the focus, you pass it to him, or sicko if you wanted to do like the multi missile pod shenanigans, or pass it off to Anakin, or get oddball in there for a double modded shot. But it works. Yep. So I just looked up. So the the tie that the draw that came was from uh, the last round. 
So Gonk and R5 Don drew the last round. So I'm guessing one of them probably okay. had an invite and the other one wanted the invite uh, guaranteed. So they didn't bother to play each other. So sure. That okay. would be my assumption. And a crazy strength schedule on uh, the guy on first. Yeah. yeah. 1.94 rough. Yeah, he had a very heavy. Yeah, he played. Um, but his game three was against the third place finisher. Um, I don't know. So just you play everyone in the top cut. <laughs> this is opponents. No, nope. He played somebody from Throwdown and Jake P. I don't know who they were. So, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't understand all the SOS stuff specifically. Uh, but. Yeah, so Jake P was up there. Yeah, all of his opponents were two and two. It's <laughs> rough. Better, so, all right, the next one is one we went over last week. We're gonna skip it. I think we went over this one last week too, didn't we? I do not recall, but it seems very <laughs> familiar. I think that was last week. So that's all of them that I have for that. We do have the XTC battle for <coughs> Malianus. Uh, however you say that. Team Scotland took home the victory. This is the in-person team event that is supposed to mirror XTC championships, but uh, those are usually online. So this one was done where essentially everybody gets one faction, somebody gets to pair all of them, and they get to kind of choose who they're going to fight. Uh, the captains do, and so forth. And um, so what I, I, I thought, well, let's go over all the, the lists from the winning team. And then I was like, nah, why don't we just go through like a few of the top ones? Because there was two ten or three 10 and O's. Um, unfortunately, one of the 10 and O's doesn't have their list in there. And one of the nine and ones doesn't have their list in there. Perfect. Um, and I would try to find whoever that person is uh, if they had played other games to see if they had the same list. And of course, you can't find the list anywhere. So sorry for that piece of it um so we fin essentially on here i figured we could kind of look at uh some of the top lists uh that i wanted to go through um just because i thought it'd be fun maybe 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 yeah, you want to you want to yeah you want to grab the first one there alex they were the top 10 and 0 player for the whole tournament uh well we've seen very similar lists before your Han Solo with Perceptive Vistan Chopper Engine Upgrade title. Boy Luke, A Wing Wedge with Marksmanship Elusive, a little bit different than what you see. Keo with Lone Wolf and Concussions, and then Sabine with Beskar. Known quantity. Yeah. No vector cannons on this on this uh, Keo Good. here. <laughs> Uh, the next list was Fonz. Uh, if you remember, if you watched GSP, Fonz did a lot uh, on the GSP stream a while back. Uh, they are running, um, for the most part, it's a pretty standard um, Kylo in the Whisper with Instinctive Aim, Brilliant Evasion, Concussion Missiles, Advanced Optics, and um, the Sweep. Quick Draw with Fanatical, Swarm Tactics, Targeting Synchronizer, SFG, and Fire Control System. Then we have Whirlwind, who is the staple next to Quick Draw, with Marksmanship, Fanatical, Cluster Missiles, Advanced Optics, and the Sweet. Then Malaris with Clusters. Um, and Scorch in the Bomber, 
with feedback ping, bomblet generator, and cluster missiles. Which I think that's a little different. We haven't seen Scorch in a in a bomber. You more health, I guess. We have occasionally, and I always yell at him for taking the wrong three point scorch. But you know, it's fun. He's very good. He knows what he's doing. You can use it with targeting synchronizer and whatnot. So I guess there's always that. And it is a ten and a list. So again, a little bit different because you get to choose uh, your matchups. But still, I don't know. Seems pretty good. The next one. What is the next one, Alex? Oh man, it's a Republic list. Soc Oddball. Soc Wolf. 7B Mace, who's kind of fallen off in popularity recently. He has Heightened Perception R4 P17. He's got Click with Crackshot R3 and Besh. And then both Slider and Dedicated, or sorry, Slider and Boost with Dedicated. Yep. Seems like a very solid list. Uh, you know, you got three, three die guns there. Click and help on defense, and then you also have slider and boost who are also helping on a defense and getting objectives. The next one is Tom Reed running a resistance list with Poe with notorious novice tech ray gunner contraband engine upgrade and the title Kaz with lone wolf R1J5 contraband advanced slam and Kaz's title. Neonub with Elusive Pattern Analyzer, R6D8, Spare Parts Canister. That's that's different. I don't... Um, maybe it's just the points, but no cool. No reason for that, but yeah, go on. Um, and Elo with Predator, M9G8, and the S-Foils. So this is almost exactly a, repo- a resistance list I would run. Because I love that bow. That's my favorite bow build. It's also my favorite Kaz build. And if I don't have M9G8 in my build later on somewhere, that is my LO build. The only thing is 9-Nub, Lucif, actually super good with his ability, Pattern Analyzer, R68, great. Spare parts, I, you're just bringing that to either dunk on someone or break the locks you're bringing in. All right, you're not recovering a charge on R68, he has no charges, so... It's kind of, I don't really have three other points, so I'm going to put this in my list kind of thing. And if you're building them with Elusive Pattern Analyzer and R68, you really don't have much of note on anything else. Because you don't need Electronic Baffle, right? So, like, I don't know. You really shouldn't. You don't need it. So, I mean, my nine, when I do nine of, I do like Pattern Analyzer Daredevil R2D2. So you can regenerate shields. You have the daredevil that you can do out of a pattern analyzer, which is really disgusting with his ability. And just daredevil's really nice and nine number general. You don't have to do like the pattern analyzer shenanigans for that. But elusive also gives you a free reroll on defense. So always nice. It is. Uh, the next list I selected was an empire list with commander Goron with yep. shields and sensitive controls. Uh, shield upgrade and sensitive control. Countdown with ruthless crack shot Tiberian Saxton. Pierce Sabak with marksmanship and shield upgrade. And then Fair Off 
with Ion Limiter Override, Captain Hark, Targeted Computer, and then Vizier with Palpatine. This is a crazy. <laughs> so, like, coming on Goron only will trigger on Faroff and Vizier because Countdown and Sabak are the same initiative as Goron and has to be a lower initiative than him. So, you're really just passing evades over to the Reapers. Sure. It sounds like controls on Goron, which is weird. <laughs> I I don't know. How well let's do nine and one or ten and oh. No, 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 no. It didn't do either of those. It was like either eight and two. I think it was like eight and two or seven and three. I don't know what list you would pair into that. I think it's the list that they just let go play and nobody knows what the list does. They're like uh, <laughs> what is this crap? I and then they're like, well, let me tell you what it does. It's really good. And you're like, oh, shit. Is it? <laughs> it did I well, mean, so. Yeah, I mean, it can hit hard. You know, they all have three dice. Sabak will have four for a while until he gets hit a couple times. Countdown's really good for, like, objectives and just not dying in general. Man, I just. <laughs> that's a. It's I don't very, believe in strikers. It's a very defensive list. That's what it feels like. Because everybody's taking evades. You got the pelp on the team. I feel like it's just skewed towards offense and then just try to kill them before they kill you. You just get a bonus with the Reapers <laughs> leading. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It just, you know, it's not like you're taking target locks with anyone on that list except for Faroff. None of them could take target locks. So it's kind of weird. All right. What's the next one we have, Alex? Okay. The next one up, we have a first order list. The same one that I believe he won that UK thing with. Yes, uh, I yes. think so. Fruitcake Bat. Yes, Von Reg with Shield Upgrade, Deuterium. Kylo in the Whisper with Brilliant Evasion, Instinct of Aim, Concussion Missiles, Optics, and the Config. You got Malaris with Magpuls, DT with Deuterium, and then Ember with Marksmanship and Deuterium as well. It's just a hard-hitting list. Yep, and I still like Ember. I still really like Ember. I just, ugh, this sucks that Ember is four points, but I love me some Ember. No, Ember is fantastic. Uh, Malaris, fantastic. DT, solid. Kylo, solid. You're paying five points for Von Reg. <laughs> It's your i5. It's your i5 for the list. Or your i6, sorry. Yeah, cool. I can just take Blackout and live. But, you know, that's my opinion. <laughs> well, the last list we have is a scum list. This was a 6-4 and four list, though. But it is a scum list that has Maul in it, baby. It's yep. got Maul. I love it. It's got Lando Crew, too. <laughs> I mean, you might as well. <laughs> so they have Dirge with Fearless. And proton cannons. So I'm assuming the fearless is for when you're not using proton cannons. Yeah, it's the hey, you jump range on me. Here, I'm gonna change one of my dice to a hit. Yeah, which is pretty good. Um, it's definitely a little bit different. Uh, and the contraband, obviously. And then hate Lando, Queel, BT1, Knight Brother, and Swiveling from all. Lee Mackay. With plasmas and R4B11, 
I don't even know how to say that name. I've never seen that ship on the board ever. Elise? Yeah, I've never seen anybody run Elise. Adrasen, it's the other three-point Y-Wing that's okay. Unless the one of your damage, you can change a, change a focus to a crit, but you have to change your evade to a focus result on defense. Oh, this is the one Sean was running. This is That's the exact same build Sean had with dorsal turret clusters and R3. That's what Sean was running. Okay. I... Uh, I'm sorry, it's even worse. It's uh, your focus to a blank result, not, a, not an evade to a focus result. That would be almost okay. Yeah. As a focus to a blank. Yes, it's the, uh, if you shoot at me, I die ship, and if you don't, I'm going to try to murder you. But remember, our lease only works in the front attack, so like if you're shooting sideways off dorsal, you can't use her ability. Nope. The dorsal, Sean told me the dorsal is literally for once you're out of missiles understandable i just well, that's it and that's if you live long enough <laughs> you also don't have targeting synchronizer in this list so you have to manually take your own locks true but and you have... also have mall to coordinate so it's less bad than other lists i've seen earlier in and then it has bosk with expert handling and marksmanship the best loadout for it oh and six and four <clears throat> yeah one six and four that's, both, that's pretty see. good you can double mod your lima off rip I mean, Maul's, Maul's eight points, though, right? And that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of points for a gauntlet. It is, but it's Maul. I don't know. Somebody wanted to run Maul. So. And you have Quill, you know, just roll crits and evade. Or crits and just, uh, you know, heal yourself. All right, let's move into the next segment, shall we? So what I wanted to discuss before we kind of get into the, the main topic for the show tonight um, is I want to have a kind of quick discussion about scenario rotations, uh, you know, kind of scenario viability, that type of thing. And I know this kind of be a kind of a little bit contested, at least it was when we first went to 2.5. But essentially in the 312 interview recently, they talked a little bit about um, AMG, um, talked a little bit about, you know, how they believe four is the minimum and six would be essentially the maximum that they would want scenarios. They also talked a lot about, um, you know, fans really want points adjustments, but they're not really big into points adjustments. That's not a thing they like to do, um, which is not what we're used to. But I mean, we're also not used to scenarios or um, stuff like that either. But uh, they, they they did talk about seasons a little bit though, and, and they did make mention of oh we have, you know this season, and they're they're seeing how some of these points are going to play out, um until world. So essentially, I think this is kind of the meta we're going to be living in for world. They also believe the meta is that solved, but um, you know there's that for you, right? But um, essentially, <clears throat> they kind of talked about that scenarios help level the playing field a little bit between pilots and ships um, without sacrificing your skill set. So it's what it's doing is adding a little bit more skill set into the playing field, but it doesn't force them to continue to, you know, have to deal with some of these super overpowered things that they believe, you know, don't exist, but really they do sometimes like uh, some uh, seven point hunt with a bunch of toys. Um, anyway, Boba Fett, Boba just Fett. in general. <laughs> um, that's that's separatist Boba Fett though. Come on, 
Uh, you know, if you're playing Severed Dispovavet, by all means, I'll give you that. Wait, you're going to give me a win if I do that? All right, next door champ, you heard it here, folks. Alex <laughs> is going to concede our game together so that I get a win for running Boba Fett Separatist. What if I just don't shoot at Boba Fett Separatist? No, you just said you'd give me a win. No, we'll make it a game. I just won't shoot at him. No. No. I can fit a lot of other stuff. in. Anyway, we're, I'm going to get distracted if we go down the Boba Fett uh, tangent. So my thoughts, and this is kind of my thoughts, and then I want to get into like a discussion, Alex. So my thought was, right, is, what if there's a way to rotate scenarios, right? What if we had a way? Would that break the game? Would that not break the game? Could we have like 20 scenarios and like rotate them through based on the season? Um, you know, could new scenarios create new viability within the game for certain factions that are struggling immensely? Um, would it allow competitive play to be kind of different and not as uniform, right? So we could go from having like a set of four maybe five six seven and then all of a sudden competitive can play be like you know here you go you have to prep for all of these but guess what day one is going to be this set and day two is going to be that set so there's not as much consistency to add a little bit more randomization but you already have to play for you know how you're going to win that game right um also keeping us off a standard you know off of a standard would allow us to not get used to the same set of ships right so if one scenario type of scenario is more used to these other things um, it would allow for kind of a, a, a change up right in the meta without there having to be a real change. So the first question to you, Alex, is it, it, what are your thoughts? Would more scenarios help the game at all? And we just say whether it's one, two or 50, would more scenarios introduce help with some of the meta and the viability of, of the game? Uh, well, more scenarios would really, I think, impact your list building a lot. Which I can respect because, like, you have to account for even more scenarios than there are now. It's, I feel like it would be kind of a big ask if you went past like six because, like, some people, you know, already don't really understand 100% what's going on with scenarios. If you start doing like asymmetrical scenarios, that gets kind of weird. You know, especially if one person plays on the wrong side or like how you do that. I don't know how you would do an asymmetrical scenario. Like how you can account for that in list building. So it, it would introduce a lot more wrinkles into like list building and kind of strategy you have going into tournaments. Um, I'm kind of satisfied with the four we have. I... Also, I'm not a game designer, so I'm not sure exactly what other kind of scenarios you would have. But I know in the interview, they said they really like having the scenarios because it forces you to, like, let's build. You know, you can't just overtune your list for one particular scenario. It forces you to not necessarily balance out the scenario, but, like, have a list that, you know, hey, these people are going to be, like, my dedicated crate runners in Salvage, right? So it kind of forces you to do that, or you just not you're just gonna ignore yourself the whole time. Or like, hey, I need someone with not a lot who can live without having their actions for scramble transmissions. I need to have medium or large bases, maybe for assault. I need to have um, you know, odd numbered ships with odd numbered health for chance, kind of thing like that. So, so I appreciate that it adds a lot of variety, and I like 
trying to list bound list build around that and i see how it can really uh stifle or well you know like uh you know make it so it's like hey boy vader is really good in this you know three scenarios but like if i have three other ones where he's bad do i even take him kind of thing so it's a it's good <laughs> I'm not sure how many more scenarios they could add without it being a little bit daunting, especially for people trying to get into competitive and like, you know, memorize these kind of scenarios. Sure. <clears throat> so, okay. So, so your, your thoughts are, Hey, I really, I wouldn't mind one or two more, but really much more than that is going to be, is just going to be too much. So the next question I have, you know, I think you kind of answered it is, you know, could we get more scenarios than we really and I think you already kind of answered that. So I don't think we really need to go through that one. And, and, and on my side, I think that we could have more too many scenarios at one point. But at the same token, that kind of leads into my next one. Should we retire certain scenarios or rotate based on a season, right? And I've been some of this is coming from because I've been playing Diablo 4, right? And there's obviously a unique mechanic for, you know, season four. And, um, you know, for this this portion of it that ends in October. And the difference becomes is they're a multi, you know, million dollar studio that is going to be able to get, you know, people are buying into this game, spending a lot of money. They have the ability to build new storylines and all these other things that AMG probably doesn't have um, quite the same capital for. Um, so really thinking about that, though, would that be what would you feel, Alex, if let's say we did, let's say they slowly start adding one or two scenarios to the game. So we get two a year, let's say. And then they start to rotate out some of the other ones and, and move them to a different format, which we won't name the format, but you're just moving it to a different format. And I asked this because I played Star Wars CCG um, and I played uh, the Star Wars Destiny. And both those we had like rotating sets. So you would have three main sets, three legacy sets. And then when the new one dropped, three would rotate out. You would only have four sets. I don't know if that's the best way to do it. But that's kind of how they did some of those things in, in the card game world. And that forced people to buy a bunch of shit that, you know, you didn't want to buy. And it, and it probably didn't help the game. But in our world, they're not creating all these packs that you have to buy, right? They're just giving us different scenarios based on content. So do you feel that if they started adding new scenarios to the game, if we started rotating a few of these out, would that be even be a viable thing? Or is that just going to be way too confusing and make it harder for people to play. Yeah, so, okay. Set rotation makes sense in, like, LCG, CCG card games because you rotate out older stuff, you freshen up the meta, and also you force people to buy new stuff, right? In X-Wing, you have the ability to adjust points and loadouts, but you don't in CCGs unless you mass a rata, but no one will ever do that. Um... So it doesn't make sense to do like a set rotation. But for the, the, the semi-applicable part about that is the, the rotation out of scenarios. I think that's a lot of burden on the people playing the game. You know, if you have 20 scenarios, these four are what we're running with for this season, right? That's, that's a lot to keep up with. For people who are lapsed, that's kind of hard to get back into. I uh, just, I I could see why that would be 
you know, like a, a, a beneficial thing. But man, that's a lot of work on the, the consumer playing the game. I know it's competitive and like you're expect, you, you know, different expectations for playing competitive over, you know, tabletop, kitchen table kind of stuff. Man, it's just like. So I have a question though. Like they did, it was competitive. You did do it for CCGs. Like it was still competitive. You had to know when you played that game. Like you, it wasn't like a, you know, like a whatever type thing. Like you had to know specifically what it was, what sets were able to be used. Now this is a little different because this is just scenarios. We're talking just scenarios. We're not even talking like we're gonna errata cards or say you can't play these ships, um, which is right, what FFG was doing. But when bit. you play like the LCDs and CCGs, you're playing one game. It's not like, I mean, like in Magic, right? You have like Commander, and Legacy, and all those kind of different formats. It's not like you're saying, "Hey, only people can play Commander for this season," right? It's it's not like you're just rotating out older older sets. You're not fundamentally changing how the game is played. With X Wing, you are, and that's kind of like a a pretty big burden. <laughs> Um, it's just like, there are like 10 scenarios. Store champs has, you know, five worlds will have four or whatever. Right. It's just kind of like, what do you even build? You can't build a list for all those. It's just kind of, uh, how do I tailor my collection to what I perceive to be the current meta for these scenarios that we're doing? Oh, I want to invite the world. Now I have to completely swap parts of my lists and my my collection to fit their scenarios that they're doing for that kind of thing. It's just a lot of effort <laughs> for a game that's not like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and you know MTG and all that kind of stuff. It's not the biggest cards, you know, in the game. So how about how about Warhammer? What is Warhammer? Cuz they got to keep it fresh. Otherwise nobody would play that. Don't like, they just I don't make new editions. I don't know much about Warhammer. Okay, because they're doing something, obviously, to make changes to the game. And I do think you're right. I think it's different editions. Now all of a sudden you got to own Warhammer this and Warhammer that. But what this is and saying is... hate that. <laughs> but they still play it. People love that game. People play the hell out of that game, man. Like, yeah. it's not like a dying game. It's, it's definitely not a dying game. I don't know. I mean, like, people... Super hate like when it switches editions, even in like X Wing, you know. But um, it's just, and again, I don't know too much about Warhammer. I know they have a couple different modes. I think they have like a kill team thing that's more of a skirmish base instead of like armies. But it's all, I don't know. It seems like a lot to to put on people, and I also feel like Warhammer people. That's all they do. I feel like X Wing is like I play X Wing, but I also play like three other games. <laughs> So how about this? Let me ask a, let me ask the question this way, right? So right now with the four scenarios, do you feel these four scenarios specifically at any point um favor one faction over the other? And again, we're going to exclude scum, so I don't want to have this I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to go on a tangent here. I just, like I, I, as a whole, do you feel one scenario favors the other one. I think the four scenarios they have right now is pretty well balanced. I think it 
forces you either to solely concentrate on killing a lot of things for particular scenarios, which you have to count for, or like you have to feel the list that's solid across most of the scenarios. All right. Um, so, so if that's true, then could we not make more balanced scenarios to release into the wild that doesn't favor factions? Yeah, you, you can, but again, it's just like, how many are you going to do? Like, I feel like six would be the most that I'd be willing to put up with. And even then, that's like four happens to work out perfectly because store champs, right? But like, if you have five or six, sure. I just, anything after that, you're just like, what? All right. So, how about this? Let it's me too much up. of a luck factor than it is like a skill, list building skill factor. So, and and I don't and I'm going to go on record and say I don't believe AMG values list building. If, I, if if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I don't personally feel that they feel that is a value of the game. They they say they give lip service to some of that piece of it, but I I don't really genuinely the way they build things it does not fit the mo of how, what we used to have. I guess whether it was perfect or not, what we used to have the FFG specifically valued list building pieces, right? Like that was a thing that was how, you know, they were working this because we didn't have scenarios. So we didn't have any of these other things. So let me throw this at you. Let's pretend. And, and you're a guy that's played since 1.0. So you own, let's just say everything. Maybe uh, you don't own CIS or whatever, but literally everything. Okay. So you literally own everything. That's even <laughs> crazy. You're crazier, but so you literally own everything. And let's say we do not get a new ship at all. For the next four years, the only thing you get is reprints for four more years. We may get, let's say, one card pack a year, and then we'll continue to get these SL, you know, these special kits that they come out with, like Battle of Yarvin or these all these other kits that they come out with that'll have cards in them. Would you be satisfied with playing for the next four years these four scenarios and nothing else and not getting new ships entered into the game to change up the variation of your different factions? I mean, I think the introducing of new pilots and cardboard and ships is enough variety to do it with the stuff they have. But also, I don't... When you said they don't care much about list building, I mean, like, their scenarios aren't particularly tailored towards one list or another. I wouldn't say they are. Like, it's a healthy balance of... You can't have high... Re you know, a lot of repositioning stuff with salvage. You can't, you know, have just a low initiative span with, you know... Uh, scramble transmissions you can't just have a bunch of small ships with assault you can't just have a bunch of like high health high cost ships with chance mm -hmm. i think there's enough variety in there that that they clearly show they put at least some effort into it not when it first came out that was really broken uh but i think after they, they kind of settled down to scenarios that play to like the strengths of like a balanced list building I'm sure they could probably add a couple. Again, I, I, I'm not a game designer. I don't know what the else they could add for it. But I don't think, like... If there's a lot of scenarios, it's just, like, a lot to... You know, a lot to consider. I think that would turn people off more than it would bring more people into the game. And that's fair. I, I don't agree with that, but that's just, you know... Again, that's my opinion. And, and I won't... And the reason I wanted to pose that question, <clears throat> Alex, right, is because I think that it's a valid question because is somebody that plays played like CCGs before, right? 
and there is a new one on the rise. Not that I want to invest any more money in FFG at all, but you know, there is other games to play. And, and I think the question becomes right is how do you create a long standing variability? And, it, and, and let me, let me be frank and say in 2.0, when we had just murder each other, it was great for me while I was learning the game. But as soon as they introduce scenarios, I will be frank, be honest to tell you that that to me, that that's what kept me here. I, I probably in two years, if the game doesn't change very much, <clears throat> will not play the same game competitively because I don't feel, and I hate spending the, I, I don't enjoy the large dollar investment I had in CCG. So like, I, oh yeah, I do not. That was, that was, that's definitely a turnoff for a lot of people. Right. But on the exact same token, the variety and the, the ability and FFG understood that piece of it. I'm not going to say AMG doesn't, you know, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is FFG understood that and their solution was to move things on and off um, the standard list or whatever they used to call it. Right. Change points around every, you know, six to eight months. That was like a thing that they did to keep the game fresh. And I think, you know, that, and, that was essentially their set rotation because they didn't have yes. scenarios and stuff. Exactly. Right. And, and so. I don't, and I don't have a problem with how you know they they did that because it was able to keep it fresh. But when we introduce scenarios, also now I've got this whole new little gimmick, right? I've got this gimmick, and I'm sitting here going, "Yes, this is really good. I love this piece of it. I think this is some of the best stuff like we've ever got." You know, is 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 scenarios, and I like it because it adds that that variability to it without creating too much of a luck standard. You know. But we have dice, right? Like you live and buy the die by the dice. You can make shitty decisions, but you do live and die by the dice. Like if Sunfac is in a great position, range three, and blinks out on all four dice, and you got one evade, and you use your evade, but you take a direct hit, but on full health, you're just dead, right? You know? And you can, you know, like so there is some pieces inside of that game that you can't change. Scenarios to me seems to be like a lever that we can pull on each different side of that coin and i think that we haven't had this conversation at least on this podcast since scenarios came back came out a year ago a year and a half ago uh, i don't know however long ago it was a year and a half now right we've been in 2.5 for a year and a half if are not, we old this longer, old? yeah God, we're old um anyway <laughs> to me i think the idea is is they do different things with marvel crisis protocol right like there's a way and at some point they do different things to keep it fresh. In X-Wing World, they and the 312 um, thing, they explain why they can't just produce millions of new ships, why it costs and takes a lot more effort to do that than it does for a non-painted mini. Like, it's in, like something that you have to pay to, you have to assemble yourself, right? There is more effort that goes into it. And if we aren't going to be getting, like, I liked it when AMG gave me three different new ships a year because I went out and I spent money, and sometimes, you know, Tri-Fighters, Chris bought five Tri-Fighters. Um, the day they came out, four Tri-Fighters. I apologize. Four the day they came out. A fifth one later on because I thought they'd be good. And then they they weren't good, and I didn't know what to do because I'd already invested $120 in freaking shit. Yikes. <laughs> you know? Um, but then I sold some of them, and now I'm down to three or four, you know? Uh, but But I just think that we have to... They have to, as game designers, be thinking of how do we continue to keep meta fresh pieces right without making this, you know, impossible. So, yeah, I think 
I mean, again, you could do a couple more scenarios, but I still think that just releasing new content, preferably new ships. I know they haven't done it yet. They still intend on doing it. Preferably new ships would be great. Otherwise, you know, pilots, new standard loadout cars. Um, you know, like a year ago, did anyone? I mean, no one played bombers, right? And like they, they were hot garbage useless they weren't that good in 2.0 either but now they're everywhere because they priced them you know competitively they got some strong standard loadout cards coming in that new bomber pack you now get two bombers with the pack you know that really helps the people who didn't have to depend on getting a conversion kit because that was the only way you can get bombers and now they're you know they're very prominent in the meta you got them in the starter pack that's really good so if you do things like that with older ships or new ships, I think it helps. I don't think they're going to bring back like the Oz of talk, <laughs> but like, well, you never know. I, I, I would love, I think it I showed up. Some. I know a K wing, they ain't bringing back a K wing. Um, so, but I, I, you know, the new YG 2400, that seems a lot less controversial than it was before i feel like it can probably have a place somewhere it's still questionable <laughs> they might have undertuned it a little bit but we'll see when it comes out what people can do to break it but as long as they keep doing things like that i mean like hot shots and aces too had a huge impact on the meta you know soc and boy you know also had major impacts on the meta we just went over a whole bunch of lists that had a lot of that ships. Not so much in Rebels, other than Luke. And, like, Hall, I guess. But, you know, they show up. So as long... They, they, they've shown that if you just have card packs, you can have a big impact on the game. And a little freshen it up and switch it up. I mean, next season they can make Boy Luke 7, right? And then someone else cheaper. And then everyone will flock to that. Hopefully Han goes back up to eight. <clears throat> yeah. Fair enough. All right. So I think we'll we'll move on from that discussion. I think it's still a good discussion, and I thank you for your candid approach and not disagreeing with me blindly. Because <laughs> that doesn't make a podcast. What kind of co-host would that be? Yeah. Um, so I just again I'm and maybe it's just an adjustment piece, right? Like to me, it feels like uh, more scenarios would make it fun uh for me. Um and rotating old ones out would be beneficial. Um, but I can see I can see your point, you know, in the aspect of it may make it too complex for newer players, which is something we don't want to do. We do not want to ruin the um how do we bring new players and experience um of it. So we already had enough difficulty trying to teach people four scenarios at a time, and then once they learn that and then they go away for four months or whatever and come back and now you're have to tell them, yeah, well, these two scenarios are gone now, but then we have these other two, and then also one of them switched. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. now it's three instead of five. Eh, I don't know. I think you could, I still, th I, I still think you could do that and maybe just not as on a frequent rotation basis as I would prefer. Um, but that's just me. Like, I would prefer three points changes a year, maybe four. Like, that, like, give me something every three months, brand new. Um, maybe, maybe that's, that's probably just too much because, a scum maybe we should get rid of scum and then we can talk about can we go to three points changes a year there you go because then we don't have to deal with any of the crappy old weird guard stuff you know my poor scum i don't know 
I don't know. That's a discussion for another day because I know that that one will draw a lot of ire about wanting to disassemble scum. So. All right. So to, to round the episode out, what I wanted to do is, is talk a little bit about the tournament format that we just seen happen at Gen Con. Right. Um, and I don't know. Do you think it's, if I, do you think I should put a visual up for this or do you just want to talk through this? Um, I'm not sure what kind of visual you could put up. Uh, my notes. I have my notes. Oh. We could. I threw my notes in the doc. We could throw, go through my notes together if you want. Um, no, I just recommend that lion's beach hat as your visual. <laughs> just recommend the lion's beach hat as the visual. <laughs> uh, it is definitely not that. Um, so essentially, and here I'll bring. I'll maybe I will bring it up. I guess, and if whatever it does, it's inconsequential, right? If if it you don't want to watch it all right so the format piece that i have here right or the conversation that i have um with this is gen con had a format where they did five rounds of switch they had three days of swiss and then anybody that had 11 points or more made day two and then day two had two rounds of swiss with those people but you got to carry over your score from day one then they did a top cut of four after the two rounds of Swiss, whoever made it. Um, the idea behind it, from from my understanding, the idea behind it is ideally more rounds of Swiss means everyone plays everyone as much as they can, right? So if you have 100 players, you can't do 100 rounds. That would be ludicrous, right? So what's the next best thing? Pairing people with, like, other people um, that are doing well versus not. Um, more rounds means that though the top players will play more top players, uh, justifying, you know, more top players eliminating each other, but not to the point where you still couldn't play and win. So a 3-0 player against a 3-0 player, one's going to win. And we're not going to talk about draws for a second. One will win. And then you'll have um, the ability for that player to still be able to crawl back up to the top of Swiss. Hence, Crispy is a good example of that. Um, of that happening. Uh, they carry over the points means that if you wanted to do a draw on day one, you get less points. Therefore, you have a higher probability of not making top four, hence the smaller cut. Um, also means that if you take two IDs in one day, you're essentially guaranteeing you're not making top four is what it's telling. Um, you could do it, but you're probably not making top four. Sorry. All right. So then kind of where I wanted to go with the discussion is, and this is kind of where, you know, we talk about, is this a good compromise having more Swiss um, rounds and a smaller cut? And I think, you know, talking through it, you know, right. Like the idea is, is you want more good players to make it into the top cut. For example, we had two, four and ones and two, five and O's make it um, versus before. Right. And the people that missed was only one person. So they have said in the past, people have explained in the past, right, that if you are a really good player and you're at the top, you're going to be have a higher probability of making the, the elite cut, right? So this shows a little bit. We have two 4-1s and ones and two 5-0s. and One 5-0 did not make it. They lost both of their games on day two, um, unfortunately. Uh, that was 
I put Adam Schmidt, but I have no idea if that's who that was. It's a Schmidt. So I'm assuming it was Adam, maybe Andrew. Maybe Roll Better should just use real names. Um, Alex. That's what I'm going to go with. You're going to go with Alex. All right. Whoever it was. <laughs> yeah, I think they're out of Hangar Bay 19. They're out of Indiana. So um, I don't know the guys from Indiana. Anyway, it, it, it's inconsequential. Just ignore my notes. Right? Might and, Alex Schmidt. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're calling him Adam today. Oh. That's what we're going to do. And then if it's wrong, we'll go back and post and edit it. Right? Then they talk about Jake Homley and Battle Brawl. They both were four and one, right? And then they essentially had a legitimate draw round one day two. So their sixth game, they literally drew each other, which then prevented them essentially from being able to make the top four. So do you feel that this um this draw this is a good this is a good system, right, Alex, to prevent draws? Like is this a pretty decent solution? to force people to actually play games and stop IDing out and just to be able to make cut and stuff like that. I do think it, it really cuts down on the IDs. I like that, you know, as a concept, it just kind of sucks. If you actually do just get a legitimate tie, but also, you know, you can make the argument of, well, you didn't win the game. So that's what happens when you don't win the game. Right. Um, it's hard because I do like it. I like the just like, hey, you had your. I like the points carrying over. I think that's really huge about it. Because if you're in, you know, day one, you're three zero. Normally, you'd just be like, well, I just ID the next two rounds, and we we all get in. But if the points carry over, you're you have much more incentive to not ID. And I think that's a solid point system there. Just also sucks when you go five and zero, and the next day you just tank your two games. <laughs> it is, yep, yeah, it is, and I think that that doesn't happen super often, right? Like, I think that's an anomaly, and I think that's kind of like what this discussion is for, right? Is we have to discuss a little bit about that because typically we would say normally if you make the top cut piece of it, right? If you're five and zero, you have a higher probability of making cut, you know. But could have had a bad day, right? You know, could have been hungover as fuck. Who knows? I mean, it is Gen Con. It was hey, Saturday. So. We play better when we're hungover. That's Cody and I's secret. That's okay. what we have to do. All right. So whatever you do, prevent Alex from drinking. You don't. You didn't. Were you hungover when you came and played in Michigan, in uh, on the east side? In, in, in uh, was, no, I got like three hours of sleep. Yeah. All right. So there you Felt go. like uh, I was hungover. <laughs> oh my god, you're killing me. Um. <clears throat> so okay so so this you're what you're saying is this this is a good this is a good compromise right this this feels like a good compromise to prevent ids and force people to play games in bigger tournaments at least right it does prevent ids um i, I like that just as an incentive doing it it sucks that it's like well we have to do this over multiple days kind of thing you can't just play a tournament where you're playing like six games not that people want to do that in general I love that kind of stuff because I get better the more I play it in the same day. I suck at the beginning and I get better, but um, I understand why people are just like, yeah, I'm not trying to play a game for eight hours straight. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm not sure if I like the smaller cut with all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I will that's say the big problem I have with it, if I have a problem with it. Yeah. So in a, in a, in like I said, this this is discussion, right? Like this is us just kind of like this is let's just look at what other places do, other things do. So in the chat, 
they mentioned that Keyforge is doing tournaments now, and he essentially it's two losses and you're out. So there is very little incentive at that point to stay on. But at the exact same token, that's kind of the same thing, right? In these Gen Con, if you get two losses, you aren't going to top cut. But you never know your last game. So if you're three and one going into your last game, you don't know if you're going to lose or not. Um, Keyforge is funny because I made cut at a one and three. <laughs> I went one and three, but so many people dropped that I actually made cut because they're bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is hilarious. But yeah, I, it sucks. Like as a person, just being like, "Well, I am, you know, two one. If I lose my second game, I'm basically out of the tournament." Right? That it feels bad. But like realistically, you wouldn't have a shot at getting into cut. But also, you're just like, well, I want to play more, see how well I did. Maybe those first two games, I got diced, or they were super crazy fluky. You know, I played a terrible matchup because I got chance encounter against Isophane, who's bringing a Seer Swarm. You want to try to prove yourself a little bit better than that. I understand, like, it feels bad as a human being to like just scrub out like that, which is why it's like. Small top cut feels a little bit bad, but like I think the way that Chris Allen set this up, it makes a lot of sense. And it, it is far more concerned with people who, you know, are really good at the game. You know, they're three, four O's, five O's. It makes more sense for them to do this kind of format than people who are, you know, a best from bench warmer at this game. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, you know, and that's kind of the same thing. Like I went three and two at Worlds day one, right? And then won two games. Well, I was super excited. And then I got stuck with crispy and I probably just let him get in my head. And that's, that's partially my fault. Right. And then I made a couple of mistakes, which really handily lost me the game. But you know, that was kind of the same thing. I just, after that, I stopped caring. It was just, all right, who's going to get me a beer. Who's I don't drink beer, but who, who's going to get me the whiskey. I went out and I had, um, Jack and Coke in the cans. And then I just brought those in and started drinking those. I was like, fuck the world at this point. And then I ended up losing the next three games. <laughs> I went five and five. Although the last game I kind of, um, you know, the last game was against Elliot Watts and he 4K'd his Vader off the board and ended up Classic winning the Cody. game because I stupidly went after, sent three ships after one game and then his Vader lived on one health because I let his Vader go back on the board. Because it's kind of like, eh, we're already down here. None of us are going to make, you know, top 32 prizes. So who cares? You know, it's inconsequential. He was 46 versus 54. So what does it matter at that point? Um, But anyway, so 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 let's look at some of the other systems, right? So like what Warhammer does is, and and this is kind of interesting, and we're going to use Warhammer, and I know you were a little down on Warhammer before. But Warhammer, essentially, they talk about, like, battle points, right? And you, and the idea is, is you have a win path for scoring, right? Which, whatever. It's essentially the same thing as X-Wing has, just in fancier words. So we're not going to go through all of that. You, the idea is, is you don't play somebody outside of your bracket, which I think we'd have right now. We have that very well. They then have what's called, like, a 20-point system. And it's something that is used where essentially blowout wins are worth more versus wins that are very close so if you win a game with like an 80 to 75 score you get x amount of points they say 11 points and your opponent gets nine whereas if you win here you 80 to 20 you get 20 points and your opponent gets zero now, i'm not saying that's where we should go because that sounds like very that complex <laughs> but what it does is it it favors it favors people that are 
winning more handily. So it, it encourages you to go in and be aggressive, right? That's that's kind of what it's trying to encourage you. Let's let, let's let's not just try to barely scrape by. And I think it's a system that they've introduced, right? So that you don't. It, it's it's like when we have things that sat in the corner. And what what did they call that, Alex? What was the name? The fortressing. Yeah, there you go. It's like their way of stopping fortressing inside of a Warhammer game. That's what they were trying to do. Um, Warhammer doesn't have like rotating scenarios when they play in a tournament, do they? They don't. No, no okay. I don't think so at all. So that would make a lot more sense that like they can do a blowout win kind of stuff. But like an X-wing, I don't think you can do that, right? Like, well, I don't know. I don't like you can get blown out because it's just like a shit matchup. Like again, playing chance encounter, which is you know one of the three or one of the four scenarios against someone who brings you know a seer swarm and your list is not really equipped to fend off a seer swarm right like and then you can get blown out but i don't think that win should be higher than someone who you know played you know a mirror match of 5t70s and if you think about it it does but it does lend itself a little bit in our sos ranking right like and and it does lend itself a little bit with our mission points ranking so, for example, how many times have you and I had the same SOS and you just happen to have more mission points than twice now? Sure, twice. but that's like the second tiebreaker. That's not what exactly. they base it off of. Sure. So that's just incidental. I don't like. But also, if you get like a low strength of schedule, you're probably going to have higher mission points, right? Like those people are like newer or you had really good matchups against someone. You end up blowing them out 24 to 5. <laughs> Like, sure. does, should that is that just as valid as playing, you know, the person who's going to come up in third in this tournament and you come in second, but you won the first game like 20 to 15. So the person who played someone new is a lot more valid of a win because they won by 15 instead of by five. It seems off in next wing. It just doesn't seem right. The next example is Magic the Gathering. They have kind of similar. They have kind of similar things right um so we're not going to really spend much time time on that marvel crisis protocol essentially the ones i looked at took the top four of every day and then they moved on to like a final stage so if they had three heats um they would take basically the top 12 for that time and then the top 12 play in a um between a i've put on their top eight or 16 but it's like it would be a top 12 is what it is um depending on how many days you had right so that's what Marvel Crisis Protocol does, which is kind of closer to what X-Wing does, right? Like, that's kind of what we're doing. You, if you're 4-1, 5-0, and oh, they're taking you. It's a little Ours is a little bit more generous, I think, um, than that. Because there was obviously 14 people that made cut at Gen Con versus only 12. Not much more, but <laughs> there was a few more. Um, and I think that could have changed, right, based on what you were doing. Um, so then we kind of get into like, if we talk about the longer aesthetic, right? The bigger aesthetic, like where does tiebreaking Swiss type system show up? There is, there's a ton of literature out there about this. We are not going to spend an hour going through that. Cause I think that would bore the hell out of everybody unless y'all want to. Then if you do, then go ahead and like send us an email at plentyfacesyndicate@gmail.com, And we'll add that back to the agenda at some point to go through every one of the systems. But these are kind of some of the, the top four that I've, you know, seen. And, and I'll give you uh, what I'm going to do, Alex, is I'll go through real quick, give you kind of the top hits for them. And then we could kind of discuss them a little bit. And then we could kind of wrap it up and say, hey, 
based on what we've talked about, do we feel we're at probably some of the best type of format that we're going to get? Because I think with Chris Allen and him being so in tune with AMG and having conversations with them, I think the Chris Allen method is probably what's going to be used for larger tournaments. And if it's not solidified by AMG very shortly, it's going to be something that they're going to be pushing, right? And so now's our opportunity to kind of say, hey, do we feel this is good? Is there other things that we could throw in there? Um, I know you had an example of you like the top eight versus a top four or maybe a top whatever um, instead. And I think that that's part of a discussion that we can have um, for it. So the medium system, median system essentially uh, is very similar, but it deals with more games of Swiss, right? Um, and what they do is you they take your top two and your lowest two scoring games and they kind of eliminate them and then you kind of get your average from there again not saying that's a good method just throwing it out there that that is a method that could be discussed in terms of how they do it and if you think about it our swiss would never allow for us to have 10 rounds or almost no, no. like like that's a world's only type scenario right <laughs> you know like you couldn't do that almost anywhere else i don't think could be wrong i guess I mean, it's mostly used for chess, correct? So it's yes, kind of it's a big chess thing, yeah. Right. So it's they they don't have an hour and fifteen long games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So that that's kind of then they have the two varied methods of that where they look at di discarding fifty percent of the disc scores, and again, that's like to me that feels like a little bit of overkill. Then they have what's called a cumulative score, um, Essentially, where you calculate it by um, running different rounds and each win, loss, or draw changes slightly. Um, it's a varied number based on how many you have. Uh, the more wins and things you get, the higher the number or percentage of, percent of that win you get uh, going forward. Um, that is, again, that's another theory out there that has kind of floated around. Um, the Cash Dan one. Um, essentially is similar to what we're doing, but it since it rewards four points for a win, two points for a draw and one point for a loss. I don't know how much that would actually change anything in our world. To be frank with you. I think that just incentivized drawing more than yeah. losing. Losing. Exactly. So, 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 yeah, unless they count that as an unplayed game where they just don't score it. No, no, no. If you play an unplayed game, it's counted as zero in right. that method. So, yes. like, if you ID, it'd be, like, a zero. But if you do, like, a legitimate yes. draw, it'd be two. But how do you even regulate that when the person's just like, yeah, well, you know, just flew our boards off at the same time. All of us flew all of our ships off. Well, what you would have to do is agree to not shoot each other and fly around and just collect objectives. That's the same only thing. way you could do that, you know. You, like, you can intentionally get a tie. Yeah. Um. So there's that method. The last one is the Sonnenbohr burger score and essentially um, add the score of every opponent the player the player beats and half the score of every opponent they draw. Um, that's very similar to what our SOS is. Right. Uh, that, that's, that, that essentially is our second tiebreaker, is that piece of it. Um, yeah, and these, these chess ones are a little bit weird because we don't have, like, ELO rankings, ranking systems, so it's not like we can, you know, put more numbers behind it just being like, well, this happened and this happened. Like, what what do we call an upset, right? Yeah. 
sure if I beat Duncan Howard, yeah, it's probably an upset, but like in a tournament, like who's who's to judge that, you know? <laughs> yeah. You would have to have an ELL rank you would have to have an actual national ranking score right. that you would keep. And we had that come in as a question uh, before you joined the show, Alex, actually as a question people wanted us to talk about. Like that was something people had talked about. Is that a valuability? Something we could do in Exo. I don't want to get into that tonight because I think that that's a can of worms uh, that's bigger than our podcast uh, yeah. has time to discuss right now. Um, like that would be like a full episode, I think. Almost. And I'm not saying we are going to take that off the table. I do have that as a long-term discussion point that I think we could talk about. Um, and I think that does help with longevity of the game to some extent. But at this exact same token, like I said, I don't really want to get into it tonight. Um, so those are kind of all the different things, you know, so understanding all those things, Alex, where, where do you feel we could be at and, 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 and what changes do you feel we could make? Um, I like Chris Allen's scoring system. feels bad if you're not particularly good. I would probably like a a larger cut out of that. Just so people don't like feel super bad, but his scoring system makes sense. I don't think we should have more than two extra scenarios. I'm not keen on rotating them out. Um, and also, I'm amazed that people paid, you know, two and two, and they had like Dangar and stuff. So that's a nice overall cap of that, eh? Um, yeah, and I think the thing is, is when we talk about you know this this tournament format, and that's kind of you know, do we feel this system is gonna is gonna work going forward? And essentially, the tournament format is 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 the idea behind it is how do we get more cuts or rounds of swiss in how do we get these type of things to be justified to create a different type of ranking and i think if we look at the numbers from gen con and i think this is what we should do for each major tournament that has multiple day heat is the top player the people that are one and two seed of those days making the smaller cuts like are they coming closer so if we have if we take the top three every day and then we get a top four are the majority of the people in the top four cut coming from the top three seats. I mean, does that matter? It, it does. If you look at the theory behind what they're trying to do with a smaller cut, the idea behind a smaller cut is the fact that you're weeding out your competition and you're not allowing room for that variability piece of it that you get with a larger cut. And, and like, think about it this way, like somebody like Nick Sperry, right. Can go through, Went five and zero. Oh, they took a draw after their they won one game and then took a draw the next day and then you know made the top four. Right now, not a big deal. Great. Um, the idea would be if they had a top eight, that might be a little bit more scary for somebody to ID just to get in there. Now they got two more games that they still have to play that they have to get. So the idea is the top players from all the days to play each other. Then the top players out of those are the ones that go to cut and only those players. And it's it's meant to reduce some of the um, variability and the theory that was proposed in a very long um, post by Chris Allen was the theory is, is that your top players in all of these type of things, if you do more rounds of Swiss and you do these things, top four is really all you really need because you're already weeding out and you should see the top players traditionally in those brackets make the, the higher end cuts. And if we see that, then we know it's successful. If we don't see that, that then we know that there might be a bigger issue and there might be a further discussion happen. Okay. I, I get it. 
I was just like thinking of professional sports where it's like you can go on these crazy win streaks, but it doesn't matter if you blow a bunch of other stuff. It's like you might not make the playoffs or you might get a bad seed. But also most of those are basically round robin, so it doesn't really count. Yeah. And and, and I think that would be the difference. If if we could do round robin with X-Wing, that would be the probably the bigger ideal. And Chris Allen admits that. He has a whole conversation about that. Like he talks about that's like your ideal premium situation, but we can't do that, right? Like that's just... That's an impossibility with an X-Wing. Like, unless they're going to do, like, a week-long type tournament. Right. Where we all take, like, a week off of work and they put dollars on the line. Like, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to go play in a week-long X-Wing tournament unless there's money on the line. Like, that's my vacation time to go enjoy myself. I'm not going to spend a week playing X-Wing. I have kids and a wife. My wife would murder me if I did that. Um, I don't know. Maybe you want to do that. Easy. I got no responsibilities in my life. So. <laughs> Alex's Alex's vacation will be a week long X Wing tournament. He's setting up for Michigan. There you go. Look at that. Going across Michigan. We're gonna make our way up to the UP. <laughs> uh, we'll just hit like everybody has to tour with us. <laughs> uh, giant boss. Uh, you're killing. You're killing me. Son. Play the people of Patowski. Let's see how good they are at X Wing. Uh, I actually would happily uh, go up to Patowski if they had a sword champ up there. Um, I will. I would go with you. I would road trip with you. That's like four hours. I don't care. I would road trip with you. <laughs> we might not get any sleep though. We <laughs> might just pull like an all nighter. Like we'll meet up in like Lansing area. You and I. No, Petoskey's on my side. You hit them this way. Right. And then and then we'll just meet up. We'll leave at like four in the morning. <sighs> Neither one of us will sleep. Uh, we'll do the same thing. I won't sleep either. We'll go up there. We'll get up there by like eight nine o'clock. We'll play X wing all day. Might have to get a hotel oh, room to come back, though. I don't know if I could drive another four hours. Oh, man, we do have hell. We could actually make so many good puns with that. <laughs> uh, Take them to hell, Michigan. There's nothing there. It'd be fun. That is true. I would go to hell. I, I They have a good paintball field out there that I used to go to all the time. So It's better than... Um, why am I blanking on the name? Little Bavaria, the, the German place. Why am I blanking on that? A little Bavaria. Oh, you mean Frankenmuth? Yeah, Frankenmuth. Oh, Why dude, you put a tournament in Frankenmuth? I'll, <laughs> I'll take my whole family. I don't give a shit. Like, I love Frankenmuth. They got Christmas Town. They got chicken, fried chicken there. They got German food. They got they got breweries now there, baby. You could go like to a brewery. You couldn't do that like when I was growing up. Like, they did not have breweries. They got breweries there now too. So like, it's like, yeah, like it's for me. For I'll tell you what, put a three day tournament or four day tournament in. <laughs> In there, I will 100%. I'd be in Franken, I'd be there. I'd be the first sign up. Boom, baby. That'd be me. <laughs> That'd be fun. Oh. That actually sounds like a challenge, Alex. <sighs> All right, we're going to put this. We got to put this together for next year. That's what we need to do. We, we Let's move Michigan GT from Lansing to Frankenbooth and let's find a place. <laughs> let's do this. Let's make this happen. You know, I've if actually you, never been to Frankenbooth, so. I know. I'm a terrible Michiganian. Well, next year when we have our what do we want to call what do we want to call the tournament? Do we call it the planning phase, bench warmer, bench warming planning phase, championship? I don't know. We gotta call it, we gotta come up with something. We're gonna we're gonna do this. They do the Sith takers do this shit all the time. We gotta we gotta figure this out. We're gonna call the little blow of it. We're gonna call one of these like hotels up there, see if we can like rent a whole block of rooms. Get them like for fifty bucks a night a piece, something like that. Get some pricing going. Oh man, 
we, as long as we do it during the summer so we can blend in with all the Christmas things. <laughs> that Christmas place is open year round. So yeah, yeah. I know. It's terrifying. It is not. It is awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We'll make it over the July 26th weekend because that's like literally halfway through the year. So we can call it Christmas in July. That's the name of the that's the name of our tournament. Yeah, Christmas, Christmas in July. Xmas in July. And then we go to hell for the people who scrubbed out the tournament. There you go. Everybody's got to go down to hell. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We're all right. We got a plan, baby. We're going to we got to plan this. We got to start the planning now because it's probably going to take us a good long time to plan this shit. We're going to do this next year. That sounds like um, that sounds amazing. That's a, this could be our our the new Michigan GT, except for it won't be, you know, like if we're going to do forty dollars a ticket, let's get some really good prizes and and we can contact AMG and see if they can make it like a qualifier for us. Oh, my God. The Bespin syndicate throw down Frankenmuth. <laughs> I can tell you what JJ would be there in a heartbeat. If 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 we made this like a regional qualifier, I can I, JJ would one hundred percent be there. <laughs> Just you know the shitty thing is, you and I probably would not get to play. We'd have to like run the damn thing. That's what's gonna happen. Like it's gonna take two of us to. All right, next next week I'm planning Face Syndicate. We are gonna plan our our X Wing in July tournament in Frankenbooth uh, live on the air. I'm just kidding. Um, it's a good idea though. I like the idea. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all for joining us with a very productive discussions tonight, uh, discussing our Gen Con tournament format and scenario uniqueness um, and viability. If we can add more scenarios, which Tanner says yes, and uh, everybody should just agree with. But that being said, thank you all for joining us. We will be back next week, 9 p.m. Eastern, 2100 Eastern, um, or 100 UTC time if you are in a different time zone. Thank you all. Have a good night. And we'll see you on the flippity flop.